and welcome to your new weekly edition of This is Ibrox, it's your Rangers podcast. My name's Scott Patterson, you're very welcome. Joining me on the pod this week, usual regular uh, This is Ibrox podder, Willie Boyd joins us. Hi Willie, how are you doing? Uh, hi Scott, uh, hi, I'm fine, I've had my haggis, sneaks and tatties, so I'm, I'm ready to go here. Nice, I love it, you look, you look full. Always. <laughs> Always. <laughs> <laughs> and joining us again back for his second appearance on the podcast, uh, the sports journalist and engagement editor at The Scotsman, and also the chap responsible for What the Folk podcast, Graham Folk, joins us. He's back. Hello, Graham. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us back. I was kind of worried that it's been a few weeks since I was last on, so I was thinking, did I leave a lasting impression? What did I say? Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased I'm back. Hopefully, I'll make it a hat rig at some point. Um, the, the good news is, following this, if you don't have us back, I have got my haggis, neeps, and tatties ready to go. So, a little bit different to Willie, but they're on the way. <laughs> so, listen, we've got lots to discuss tonight. Uh, I should stay before we get on to the, the, the football that this evening's podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Triple H Mortgages, the one stop shop for your mortgage and mortgage insurance needs. You can contact them at your next available opportunity on 01453 they're available on email hello at hhhmortgages.com and they're also available via all the web places triplehmortgages.com and on facebook the same we should say that if you're going to give them a bell be sure to mention this cybrox you can refer to myself scott or willie or indeed tommy who's with us as a as a regular and and they will be able to sort you out with a, a free mortgage review thoroughly recommend that you give them a shout if you are at that stage um looking to move house etc so, gentlemen, well, I'm going to come to you first at the weekend. 23 points clear now after a really, really positive performance against Ross County at Ibrox on Saturday afternoon. No, absolutely. It was uh, really entertaining to fill my hatch. I don't think there were really too many negative points. But, um, yeah, as you said, it's, it's really good to, to see his win so emphatically. Um, you know, the first goal happened six minutes. I don't know the last time we kind of started again as quick as that, to be honest. A uh, lovely kind of uh, cross in to Morelos for Tav. Uh, Morelos kind of wedged between two players and manages to to get it back into the direction of Kent, who kind of does a, a kind of not quite as bizarre as Hollander's header, but it's <laughs> a nice looping header for about what six yards. It was a real collectible from him. The what? I mean, I think it's the first time I've seen him header the ball. It was, and he he placed it just perfectly. The the Ross County goalkeeper, who incidentally was excellent. On the afternoon, yeah, he he kept it almost respectable, but it, it was a it was a collector's item from from Ryan Kent. There's no two ways about it. No, absolutely. It's as I said, it was a it's a kind of bizarre header. To be honest, I've not really seen many kind of look for that close in. Um, but I, as you said as well, the, the the Ross County goalkeeper, I think it was Ross Laidlaw. Yeah, uh, he had a he had a really good game despite the score being five 0 Indeed, Graham Stephen Gerrard's been quick to speak. Uh, the last couple of games, Motherwell and Aberdeen, how we have almost turned up for for parts of the game. So uh, Motherwell, we basically lost the half, and Aberdeen, there was the suggestion that we only played for, for an hour or so. There was no doubt that I felt that the, the 90 minutes, and in particular, as Willie mentions, the very quick start at the weekend, um, they, they looked like they had got the message. Yeah, I think so. Um at risk of something like I'm plugging something here, but I suppose I am. Um, obviously, I write the, the Rangers newsletter, and I think it was only just before the Motherwell game even, I think I'd wrote that it'd been a month of points rather than performances, shall we say. And that's not to say that Rangers have been in any way bad, but I think Rangers' levels of where they've been sort of up until probably middle of December had been they were flying into games as they had done on Saturday, wiping the floor with teams and it was a case of how many not if they're going to get the win and I think you know what you touched on Aberdeen there maybe the Hibs game as well Motherwell it maybe just wasn't um, what you classed vintage, uh, vintage Rangers this season uh, Saturday very much felt like it, it was and I think Willie Touchy can't really remember last time like Rangers started that fast and I'd say we started as fast last time the, the Hamilton game which turned out alright 8-0 if I remember yeah. at the time yeah. um, but it's felt like a while since we put a performance in like that especially at the beginning and it felt like once I mean once Aribo scored you weren't wondering if you were going to win the game you are wondering how many and I think the biggest thing with the character on that is based on the fact that you know, we've we'd won 15 in a row so it sounds weird to say that we haven't been vintage because 15 in a row is not too bad but <laughs> Motherwell wasn't it wasn't great it was average at best um you would like to think we would have done better with that however 
you know, like the St. Mirren game when we lost in the cup and then he came into the Motherwell game, it was a tough slog and it was very similar, that Motherwell game. Now, you could have looked at the Motherwell performance and then once Tav misses that penalty against Ross County, you could go, well, it's just going to be one of those days. And the fact that we were 3-0 up by the time we'd even considered it yeah. probably speaks of the character and the kind of, probably the drive that they had behind them to make sure that this wasn't a, a point of a performance, this was a points and performance. Uh, and it looked a lot more like where Rangers had been prior to maybe the last month. And considering we've only dropped two points in that time, it, it looks pretty good, doesn't it? Indeed. Willie Graham brings up the the, the missed penalty um, from Tav. How dare he? Um, for for someone who's who's had such a, a wonderful season um, for Rangers, our captain and arguably um, our player of the year, uh, I I think we can sort of let this one almost pass into the into the sunset. I think you're you're right. Yeah, we, we just need kind of well, obviously it's just going to go away because the scoreline takes you takes you away for the the bad point of that. But um, yeah, two in a row he's missed now, so. You hope that doesn't play in his mind, but see, just kind of taking it back a couple of stages, see the kind of the work rate off the ball of the team to put the pressure uh, on the Ross County midfielder or defender. Yeah. And Morelos nicks in, takes it, and he's, he's, he's nearly going to get well, he's pulling the trigger and then gets brought down. You know, it's a clear penalty, but I don't think um, it'll stop Tavenier for, for taking the next penalty. I think you have to say as well, it was, a, it was a classic, it was a John Hughes performance. Uh, from a John Hughes team type thing, I thought they they were quite open. Um, I think that that was one of the reasons that it, it did play into our hands because they, they were so open. John Hughes didn't send his team Ibrox to to sit in with a with a, that sort of standard low block that we've seen when Motherwell came to town. It was just horrendous to watch. Um, John Hughes traditionally doesn't set up his teams to to play that way, and I think, as I say at the weekend, um, that worked in our favour. Two other goals in the first half, which I think we've we've both covered on briefly. We've got um, Fosbury Phil Hallander with with the um, the head the straight the strangest header I think I've seen in a long time. That sort of leap, and then he moved his body, and his his body was at some crazy angle when it, when he made contact, and the the effort from from Juaribo Willie just before half time was absolutely incredible. That really, it really was. Um, you know, he just made it look so easy. It was kind of going down that right-hand side, and I was thinking, just drive into the box. And obviously the defenders came in, I think one's kind of he's took it around him, the other's dived in, and he just slotted that right into the far corner. It was a really, really good finish. And, uh, well, speaking about that last week, you know, he had a, a really great chance in the 18-yard box. You know, last week against Motherwell, he really should have done better. Yeah. That's kind of what you get with him now. He's, he's still a young player, still learning. He's... Like hot and cold, he's, see if we just get that consistency with Jordy, but we're going to have a really good player and we'll find it difficult eventually to keep hold of him. I think Willie's absolutely right, Graham. We, we, we are experiencing with Jordy, um perhaps some inconsistencies in his performance, but you're very aware that he is capable of doing something that just makes you sit up and take notice. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I would say lucky enough to have watched Joe Rebo quite a bit when he was at Charlton. You could see he was talent-wise, a step above. But just just like any young kid, I think he's, what, 21, 22? He's not at most 23. I think I could be wrong with that. But he's still he's still young in terms of playing at the level he's playing at at the moment. Uh, Charlton's a little bit different to Rangers. No offence to Charlton in League One. Um, but Aribo is capable of something that just opens a defence. I think I'll go back to that, that Motherwell game. I don't think he started that game. He came on at half-time, I think it was for... I want to say it was Hadji, but I could be wrong. And just having him on that pitch was just another option to just unlock the defence. And I, I don't think, as talented as a squad that we have, that there's that many players like Garibo who can just do something out of nothing. Um, and you need to play like that. You need to play like that in the season because there will be games where you'll need a rebo to do something like that. And you might, you might frustrate you for two or three weeks. And then you'll do something in a game where you think, well, we need a goal here, we need a spark from somewhere. And you can just bring that. And I don't think there's many players in Rangers squad that has probably the ability to do that, which is no detriment to yeah. the rest of the squad. He's just, he is that good when he's on form. I think just be patient with him. He, he, I think he will continue to get better. And like Willie says, you don't get too much better because we might struggle to hold on to him if he does. Rangers TV had a, a camera angle from the the Bill Struth main stand, so the opposite view from from what you're um, used to seeing at Ibrox. And uh, 
it was incredible. I, I don't want to say Swaz because it's very Jamie Rednappy, Willie, but the 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 bend they put on the ball to to make sure that the Ross County goalkeeper Ross Laidlaw was getting absolutely nowhere near it. Um, it really was a wonderful effort. It's one of these goals that almost because it's happened up here, um, you just kind of you talk about it for a wee while. But if it happened in Spain or or down south in the Premiership, they'd be talking about it and they'd love them for it for days. No, absolutely. I think they would. Um, actually, I don't know if I, I seen an angle and uh, the goalkeeper actually gets a couple of fingers to it. Yeah, it doesn't really obviously alter the direction. It's a he's obviously got a good bit of strength behind the the kick. But um, see, so just talking about like Joe Rebo again, like and you're, you're wanting somebody to give you that bit of magic. I think he came off the bench against uh, Braga, like just what about eleven months ago, um, and he totally kind of transformed that game. And then he, obviously his goal, it's. It was called amazing, of course. Superb, I, you know, and that's yeah. what you get with get them. And if we had the complete player, like I said, we'd probably not have him in our squad, to be honest, because he's he could potentially get to a really good level. Graham, we've spoke about the um the importance of Ryan Jack not being in the team for for pretty much the best part of um across Christmas and New Year and the best part of January. Uh, and I think when when we seen him come off um the bench at the at the weekend, we saw how important he was, and um, he scored a really, really good team goal to make it four 0 Rangers, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, I think Gerard kind of waxed lyrical about it already, but I think the thing you can see with with Ryan Jack is, I feel like it's a player, and I think Gerard concentrating more on, but you can see that he's soon as soon as he came in the door, he's kind of grabbed hold of Ryan Jack, hasn't he? And yeah. Kind of seen how important he is, and I think when you do that, and a player goes out for as long as he has, naturally sometimes it can be a little bit of a drop. And Rangers have a great midfield. I think Glenn Kamara is superb, but Ryan Jack and what he does is just so important. It's like um, at risk of maybe loading him too much, but when you take Jordan Henderson out of Liverpool's midfield, you see a huge difference. Yeah, and, and maybe not to the same impact, but you do see a difference when Ryan Jack's not there. Not because he's the best midfield in the team. I, I think that's my camera, if I'm honest. But the role that he plays is just so important. And there's not a great deal of players um, at Rangers that, that are like him and do that job as well as him. There's people that can come in and, and fill in, but they're not as good as Ryan Jack is at that role because he's 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 honed that position, hasn't he? And what, he's, yeah. what he does on a, a match day. What I was most impressed with with Ryan Jack was how fresh he looked. I mean, he could have had two with that second chance, yeah, um, which was kind of, he made himself. He's been out for, I think it's 13, 14 games. He's got no right to come back and look as fresh as he did. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. It's not really fair. It makes me feel a bit lazy that I've just been kind of running occasionally, but he's obviously been chomping at the bit to get back in. I think everyone's happy to see him back on the pitch. And, and you know, if he came on and just sort of done couple of decent passes, kept the team taken over by the time he came on. You'd see if that's all you want, just get some 20, 30 minutes in his legs. But when he came on, he looked like he'd never really been away. Um, and that can only be a positive when you're 23 points clear and you've got your best players coming back into the squad. Absolutely. Well, it was a it was a, a lefty as well, which I think Ryan Jack has, has been on his own sort of social media and shown a wee bit of shock himself. It, it really was. when you, I think when you look back at it again, from Zungu starts it all with a, a fancy wee pirouette. Um, and actually, when you look at the um, when you look at the camera angle again, sort of for the govern looking down onto the onto the, the match. Um, Jack's involved in all the key parts of the pitch. He, he's kind of involved in the first third, he's involved in the in the centre third, and of course his his finish at the end. It really was a, a really clever team goal to see at Ibrox, wasn't it? Absolutely. And uh, only a couple of weeks ago, was it 22 passes? I can't remember the team, so it's totally... Did score. I, I, about, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. It was 20, 22 passes, so it's not the first time we've seen the team hold on to the ball that long and, and, and be that cool and calm under pressure, you know, because we were getting press and stuff. We were finding the the kind of the areas to put the ball back into. And as you said, you know, Jack was kind of pivotal coming up the park with the ball. Yeah. I think Zungo played a big part in the goal. Yeah, I didn't did. notice it until I watched it back, but he got involved, as you said, they'd done that we kind of a pirouette type thing to get the move kind of really started and it, it was kind of interchanging with a couple of players for that moment. I just want to add before we move on um, just see before half time I don't know if any of you noticed it but Vigers 
kind of had a wee sly kind of kick out and stuff at Morelos and Morelos kind of kept his kept his cool really well and I think that's that's something that we've seen a lot for Morelos this season he's been provoked quite a few times yeah. I think he's only really bit the kind of ones you know up at uh, Tanadice but uh, if he keeps his head you know we've obviously we need a couple more goals like we were saying a couple of weeks ago but I just thought that we should have highlighted that as well I think as well the, the, the good, and we'll, we'll come to, to sort of transfers very shortly um, but we do, fingers crossed, touches wood. Um, we're about to get through another transfer window without losing Alfredo Morelos, which I don't think should be um, underestimated at all. Graham, Conor Goldson pops up with his eighth goal of the season. Um, just remarkable for, for a for a centre-half, isn't it? Yeah, I think you know the Rangers Twitter account themselves said five goals, five different scorers. But it's, it's been like that a lot across the team. I mean, we're talking about Goldson. Goldson's been great. Goldson's been superb all season. Um, he's one of the first names on the team sheet, and there's no surprise why. If he can pop up with eight goals at the other end of the pitch, we're talking about not losing Morelos, but the, the beauty of it is if we did lose Morelos, there's plenty of goals in that team, not just yeah. up front, um, where there maybe wouldn't have been previously. So what would have been a disaster if Morelos went a couple of years ago, maybe even last year? It's now kind of... You could probably replace him. You'd want to replace him, but you could maybe live with it because the likes of Hadji can get in with a goal. You know, Ryan Jack. You've got Arebo scoring goals there. You've got Tav on a ridiculous amount of goals for a right back. Barisic chips in with a decent few. You're basically only missing, you know, McGregor. Yeah. Not, like notching one in towards the end of the season, or or John McLaughlin. But there's there's time yet. You never know. It happen, yeah, as you say, you never happen. I think one of the, I, I saw a stat um, just earlier on this morning actually. And it was, um, I was referring to the, the assists and in particular focused in on Borna Barisic and, and Yanis Hadji, Graham. Um, both are on and around, and I don't have it in front of me, so I apologise if the numbers are wrong. I think it was 12 and 13 assists, um, respectively. Graham, we were speaking off air and considering how little football Hadji played perhaps up to the beginning of December, what a record that is. Quite scary, isn't it? Because I thought, well, they've got that wrong. And I double-checked it, and it, apparently it's correct. I mean, Barisic is the amount of balls he chucks in per game, him and Tav. Like, that's probably, in a wonderful way, not unexpected. But Hadji, I thought, well, I can't think how many games he started. Maybe nine or ten as, as a maximum. Not, yeah. Maybe not even that, maybe less. So for him to be on 12, 13 assists, um, I, I, I said a few weeks ago, I didn't think Hadji had yet fulfilled the promise that he'd shown last season. I think based on the statistic, maybe egg on my face, maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe he's having a tremendous season and he's been good since day one. So, um, But yeah, I mean, talking about goals, assists, they're right across the pitch, aren't they? I think people do focus an awful lot on Barisic and, and Tav and what they bring, and, and rightly so. You know, they are quite eye-catching players considering their fullbacks. Then you've got the likes of Scott Yarfield, who unfortunately injured at the moment, but he chips in. You've got the forwards who all, all chip in. They won goals. You know, you've got Roof, you've got Morelos, you look at. But when you're looking at, like, Hadji, he chips in with goals as well, and he's getting that many assists, goals, and there's goals all over the pitch. It's... It's... um. It's quite worrying how good Rangers are because you think where's it going to go wrong at some point after the past few years? But not I don't at all, think not it's at all. <laughs> uh, a, lot, a lot more confident than I am, I think. But it is getting to the point now where you think, you know, like how good can this team be? It's not just maybe about winning this title. Like how how good can it be? Because Gerard doesn't seem to want to stop adding to the squad. So obviously he doesn't think it's any finished project. And when you've got players on 13 assists that you're surprised it even had 13 starts. Yeah. Um, He's doing something right, and the team's doing something right, aren't they? Willie, when we started doing the the, the pods just out of, of Christmas and New Year, um, we were, sorry, yourself, Tommy and I were, were quite um, wary of January. Tommy often refers to, to the scar tissue of the previous seasons, which I think is absolutely right. We've one game to go in January uh, on Wednesday, which we'll cover a little bit later on in the pod. Um, we've really took January in our stride. We, we've been good as far as picking up points is concerned. The the performances have been a bit up or down. I think we've we've kind of spoke about how I think we agree that Saturday um, was probably our best performance of, of the month so far. However, January has just about came and gone and we've got through it relatively unscathed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as, you, as you were saying there, a 
about the performances. We were speaking about it ourselves last week and, and over the past couple of weeks about how um, really important it was to not have a midweek fixture like we had through December and, and really to the run-up, to, to, to now really, um, where we were always playing or thinking about going on a, a, like, you know, a plane or whatever to a game, a European game. We always had that, you know, that fixture right in the middle and uh, well, now I think we're seeing the benefits where we've kind of managed to to rest a bit. Yeah, our results weren't you know superb off through that these past couple of weeks with the drop points at Motherwell. But I mean, I think it is. It's been really beneficial, and the team looked really fresh. I felt on Saturday, and I'm really looking forward to Wednesday now. To be honest, I, I hope we go there and and, uh, and really give them a big doing. So I'm, I'm I'm just like that. I'm a bit, a bit like that. You're nasty that way. <laughs> a wee bit, aye. Um, Graham, so. I, I think it's fair to say that if we if we do go on and win the league, and we've only nine games to 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 win to do that, um, Stephen Gerrard will be lauded the length and breadth of the country. I don't care what anyone says. Um, I think there will be an outpouring of emotion that has never been seen in our game for a long, long time. Um, Stephen Gerrard will, I think, be quite shocked at the at the reaction it gets, it's going to be a huge, huge party for days and days and days. Yeah, I absolutely think so. I think, um, obviously, as you can tell by my accent, I'm, I'm not from Govan. Um, <laughs> and I've always, you know, since I was young, my first shot I ever had was Rangers, and I've always had an affiliation with, but I don't think even I understood how big it was. And I knew it was big until I was here like a decade ago. And I think any Englishman that comes up, anyone that comes over from Europe, I mean, look through the list of players, we could probably name seven, eight players off the top of our heads that have come from wherever in the world and just turned into Rangers fans um, and diehard Rangers fans. Um, you look at the likes of Jörg Alberts, that's all they tweet about. Lovencrans sounds more <laughs> Scottish than the majority of my, my family these days. Um, and I think Gerard will end up getting like that. And I think there was a question, I can't remember where I heard it the other day, by what, how how much more does Gerard have to do before people in England start looking at him? I think in a sense, the the best part about that is that it's probably people in ignorant, uh, who are ignorant in the in England and you know, Premier League fans occasionally, I'm not saying all of them, some of them, that will be quite ignorant and call it, you know, the, a pub league and all that kind of stuff. And thankfully they might not think it's that big of an achievement, but people in Scotland and people, especially in Glasgow know how big of an achievement that is because I mean, I'll refer back to a couple of tweets I've seen during the week, and it was put as tongue-in-cheek, but I've tried to remember the, the time that they were posted and how I felt as someone who followed Rangers. And it was about Celtic winning 20 in a row because they were that dominant. Um, and I think I even looked back through a few of my tweets from a few years ago and said, I'm, I'm getting annoyed with the old firms because the difference between the sides is so huge. The gulf was so massive, and it felt like Celtic had all this money, and they had all these like, young prospects coming through. And the fact that he's managed to turn the tables as quick as he has, and I know it's not been overnight, but it's you know it's not been a decade and, yeah. and, or anything like that. He's done a magnificent job. He's done a really magnificent job because he's he's made sure he's his recruitment's correct. He's made sure that his style of play is correct. He's made sure that a lot of the time he's tried to keep his emotion maybe and under wraps. Yeah, there's there's that one incident at Parkhead, but we'll let him off for that because that was that was a quite a good day, shall we say? Yeah, but, well, I think we all done that that day, did we not? I think uh, everyone. Yeah. I, I, I feel he, he really, really unfairly has that sort of as a, as a noose around him almost. However, it was something that I, I think every Rangers fan in the country done that day. I know I certainly did. Yeah, no, I have absolutely 100% did. I think, if I remember correctly, I was coming back on a train from, uh, from Dumfries, going back down to England as I was at the time, lo and behold. And I remember, I think the majority of the train heard when, when Ryan Kent scored, which is quite nice. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, looking back to that specific day, we all remember that outpouring of emotion. And I suppose that's another benefit towards Gerard. I think when, you know, the two games will beat Celtic this year, it's been a quick fist pump and down the tunnel. I think he probably learns from the fact that I've won nothing yet. And I think that's probably gone throughout the squad. Yeah. I think it's gone throughout the fan base. No one's saying I've won anything yet. But in in reality, we're 23 points clear. Like, how catastrophic of a fall would it need to be? I don't think anyone's ever seen it before. But I'm touching wood. I don't want to don't want to say anything just as yet. You just don't want to think about jinxing it. I think that's that's absolutely the way of it. And we're all in the same boat. Um, Willie, pre-contract, we have managed to. Well, I think this week 
um, we may see some movement. Of course, it's the the end of uh, January where the deadline window slams shut. Um, and today we've managed to confirm the the sort of pre-contract agreement with Aberdeen for for Scott Wright, relatively decent signing. I would say very low risk. I think we spoke about this last week that he, he wouldn't um, he wouldn't offer any risk at all bringing him in. Um, as far as the sort of nationality coefficient information for Europe as well, I think it's a it's a relatively decent signing to bring in in the summer. Yeah, it, it definitely is, and it's one that's going to bolster. Like I said uh, a couple of weeks ago, it's going to bolster our European you know, squad. You know, because yeah. we've not really. I think it's like twenty five players you can you can register, and we've we've not met that over the past couple of seasons because we don't have, you know, the, the Scottish players really to to come and fill these spaces. So we've had to go into Europe with like twenty two, twenty three players, I think it is in in most occasions. So we're kind of you know not carrying the biggest squad in terms of Europe. So. Hopefully that starts to give us a, a bit more of a kind of boost there and, you know, maybe a couple of youngsters will fill these spaces as well. But, I mean, I, I'm not really too sure how, how good this boy's going to be. But when Derek Johnson was on, I did say that I think a position I would like us to strengthen in was kind of in the wide areas. And I believe yeah. that's where he plays. So, you know, he's, he's going to come and probably challenge you know, Kent, Hadji, depending on what happens in the future. I think he's just going to sit and, and possibly take over that. Uh, Brendan Barker uh, role and you know Jordan Jones once he probably goes out the door I think the thing that, that gets me about the, the Scott Wright signing Graham is he brings a he brings a versatility that the a lot of the recent signings have, have proven um, so you have guys like Roof who can play either side up front or, or a 10, you've got Kent who can play either side or a 10 um, Scott Wright strikes as being a, a a really similar option for Steven Gerrard moving forward from next season. I think he's quite an interesting signing because I always like to be honest with my assessment of players and obviously I hope I'm wrong, but when I've seen him, nothing's jumped out. Yeah. If I'm completely honest. Um, but he's very low risk. If it doesn't work out, it's fine. I think he's a very similar signing to Jordan Jones. Yeah. Um, who I, I think the signing of Scott Wright probably signals the end for Jordan Jones, which is a bit sad, really, um, yeah. for Jordan Jones, because obviously I, th- I think he's probably a better player than what he's shown. Um, but at the end of the day, you, you can't you can't sit and wait for players to turn into the player you thought you were going to sign. And this boy's obviously, I think a few Aberdeen fans are saying he's not that great now, but a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago they were. Um, <laughs> I think that's just the way the world, and it's obviously football is very tribal. Um <laughs> I'd be interested to see if he does end up coming permanently by the end of the transfer window, kind of a la Glenn Cameron, that situation. And I'm also quite interested in, I'm, I'm saying it's risk-free, and I believe that's because he'll be a free transfer. I think, I could be wrong with this, but I thought the rules were something to do with where you had to be 20, under 24, 24 and under, you've got a, a tribunal fee. Apparently that's not correct with Scott, right? Apparently it will be completely free. Right. Um, hence why there's a conversation surrounding could they pay 350000 to get him earlier? Um, okay. I suppose the benefit of paying that extra money is we probably don't need him now. He's probably more required for next season, like, like Willie says, and adding to the squad. Um, I don't think he's going to be first team, but I think you want to have a good squad um, at, risk of, at risk of putting any criticism on the current squad. I don't really rate Brandon Bocker too highly. Um, I don't think he's the worst player on the planet. So if he's an improvement on him and you can get a little bit of money in for Brandon Barker at the end of the season or maybe even Jordan Jones, yeah. then you're turning a profit and actually improving your squad. So therefore, it should be, in theory, a clever signing at the very least and hopefully even more. Well, he also heavily linked um, this week two guys from Bournemouth. Uh, Josh Simpson, who is a defender who I think can play just about everywhere along the sort of back line, more comfortable as a, as a centre-half. And also Namdi Offabor, who we, we under, from what we understand at this stage is a kind of defensive mid. Um, however, I was reading um, some quotes from the former Aberdeen player, Jack Grimmel, this afternoon. Um, and he refers to him as a, a really tidy player who can zip a pass in and around the pitch and from the, the pictures you see of, of off a bar, he is one big unit of a boy. He'll be another handy addition to a team that will hopefully be competing in um, the Champions League next season. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think he's uh, made a couple of appearances for uh, Bournemouth this season as well. Yeah. Um, and, and just touching on uh, Jack uh, Simpson, it, it like strikes me, I mean, I remember a couple of transfer windows ago, Gerard was saying about the back line, he likes two defenders that can play in, uh, on the left side and on the right side. I believe he's left-footed, so he'll probably come in as that left uh, centre-back. Yeah. Um, they probably play in there, but as you said, they can play pretty much across the back line pretty comfortably. He's a big boy as well, what, six foot three or something, I think it is, yes. So, you know, he's, he's going to be a handful. And uh, talking about Jordan Jones leaving, I think that'll probably see the end of uh, Edmondson in that case. And yeah. as you're saying, this boy, Offerbauer, um, seems to, to be kind of highly rated. And I just need to wait and see what happens. But I think um, it probably means that we're not going to take up the, the deal on Zungu at the end of the season. Um, that's that's what strikes me about it, Graham. There's something that that sort of saying to me if we're bringing in Simpson and in, in whatever manner, maybe suggests that he'll be one of maybe four centre halves for for next season. I wonder if Katic will be put out on loan for for six months to try and just get himself together, get game time because I don't think you'll see him before the end of the season, frankly. Um, I just wonder if there's maybe a, a, a loan move in the making for him for next year, particularly if they manage to to secure uh, Leon Balogun for another season. I think you need to get Katic's fitness back up. It's been months and months now. I, I don't even remember how long, but it's been a while. It's not going on for at least at least six months, and no football for six months is a, a lot of football to miss. Yeah. Um, he's got the biggest arms I've ever seen in my life. So he definitely <laughs> didn't work in the gym. <laughs> I noticed that the other day, um, and I know that Katic is very, uh, he's very focused on improving his game, and he'll, he'll keep going at stuff and, and trying to work on things. And I don't think Gerard will, don't think Gerard will get rid of him completely. But I think he'll be looking now as like you know the main three centre halves: Balogun, Goldson, uh, Elanda. They'll be his main three. He'll yeah. want to add to it, but then Katic will be wanting to get in the team. He probably isn't going to be able to to give him first team football. But probably doesn't want to give up, give up on him completely because he's only yeah. he's only out the team probably because of an injury. Um, so yeah, loan move. Um, but I think it would probably be a loan move somewhere outside of the UK. I don't know somewhere like France, somewhere where you can get regular first team football, build his fitness back up, and then maybe bring him back in in the January end of the season and say, look, say Simpson has he done enough to remain part of the squad come the end of next season and we're thinking very much far in the future if he has can you then make a deal for Katic to go or do you then bring Katic back in because he's yeah. had a really good season it's, it's a nice situation to be in it's a, a really lovely headache to have but um, I, I really like Katic and talking of Simpson I've watched him once or twice I don't know why um, but Bournemouth have been on the TV a few times this season and I've just randomly had nothing else to do because there's this lockdown thing going on <laughs> if you of us may have noticed and um well, he's absolutely right. I think he's a, from what I've seen, he's, he's a left footer and he's quite confident to bring the ball out. He reminds me more of like a, a probably in the mould of Goldson in some senses, apart from the fact that Goldson's, I think, plays on the on the right. Um, so he could be like competition for, for Balogun and something like that. And he's, he's a young age. He's, you know, I think, Bournemouth, as much as they aren't, haven't done very well the past few seasons, I think they've brought through a few good young players over the past couple of years. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if he ended up being you know, one of those players that, a bit like Calvin Bassey, that can sort of add to the squad and then yeah. gradually become first-team players. I know Eddie Howe speaks to him very highly, which I know is some people rate him, some people don't. I think it, it's fair to say he did a relatively decent job at Bournemouth. And I know he speaks very highly of him, said he's got huge potential, but he needs to play first-team football about six to eight months ago, I think, before he, he left Bournemouth. Um, so obviously he's, he's rated at Bournemouth. It's maybe just not worked out the way it should. I think the the signing of the other boy in the middle is quite interesting because I think if Rangers are strong in one particular position, it's it's in the middle. But I think he's twenty one, something yeah. along that line. Yeah, yes, I. Um, so at the same time, the good thing about Gerard, I think he he looks through a team and when he makes a signing, I think he makes two different kinds of signings. Sometimes I think he makes a a squad signing which tends to be young that can grow into the squad, which is always beneficial because if they don't reach the potential or show any kind of level of um, quality that you think is required, I think naturally they'll just go off and you'll still get money out of them. You can still make money on those players because they're young and you know you bring them in on freeze um, or, or near enough freeze. Whereas I think with this boy, as much as it's... I find it unusual that he'd want a midfielder. I have seen him compared to Glenn Camera. Now, if you get a big injury... 
i.e. Ryan Jack and another big injury, which does sometimes happen. Yeah. Um, you've got a, almost a ready-made replacement there who's young and got something to prove. And I think when you sign a young player, especially if you sign a young player that comes to Rangers, you always get someone who's very hungry and always want to improve. Um, I want to impress Stephen Gerrard. I've seen the Sunderland, obviously, as people know, I'm a Sunderland fan. Um, when I watched Sunderland under Roy Keane, the amount of young boys that came in and wanted to impress Roy Keane, Stephen yeah. Gerrard has the same sort of aura. So there'll be young lads with potential that will want to come to Rangers and be like, right, I'm going to make a name for myself here. And if they don't, they've all got resale value. So it makes total sense, both of them. Um, you've just got to hope that they're going to be better than just fringe plays immediately because that's kind of what you want, isn't it? But if, yeah. if they're not, then it's no great loss. They're still going to add to the squad. See, just while we're talking on this, sorry about on Scott, but uh, it's just a wee short one. I just wonder if uh, Jermaine Defoe's had any sort of influence in these two boys, maybe maybe put, drop the seats in, in oh, people's heads, you know. I know we've got a scouting team and stuff, but obviously Defoe was there not too long ago. So I actually I actually think on off a board, I wonder about the influence of Joe Aribo. I think, again, without having anything to confirm, but I think he's been capped at under 19 level. From from Nigeria, so you just wonder if there's a as yeah. a possible connection there. Willie, I'll stay with you. It's not all been sort of rumor or or confirmed deals coming into the club. Uh, Glenn Middleton ha- has left on loan to St Johnston for for the season, which I think is a really good move for him at this stage in his career. No, absolutely, and I, I think he'll get first team football. Yeah, to go and play there as well. So because he's twenty one now, still early twenties, a lot of a development there. I mean, when was it Gerard's first season? He played quite a big role. Yeah, and then just slowly he, he drifted out of things. I don't know if maybe the the quality level that Gerard wanted was obviously raising, um, and whether he's maybe going to have a future here. Who knows? But hopefully, he goes and has a good six months, and then comes back pre season, ready to go, um, and hopefully get a bit of confidence for that. Because I believe. Um, I think they were talking about him wanting to be that kind of left winner now. Yeah. Uh, like a f- kind of left fullback, like kind of playing B- Barisic's role. Um, I don't know how suited they'll be to that role, but hopefully it all works out. Graham Middleton went to, to Hibs for a for a loan period. At the time, there was discussions over he, ha- he had the option to go to, to Holland and play for a season, or he had the opportunity to go and play for Paul Heckingbottom at the time at Hibs. And that move seemed to be something of a of a stunt in his career, if you like. It just kind of stopped everything for a for a good eighteen months or so for Glenn Middleton. I'm not sure if Hibbs was the right move for him because um contrary to popular belief, I think I think Hibs are a big club. Yeah. Um and no disrespect to St. Johnson, but I think they are a bigger club with bigger expectations, hence why there's a lot of outcry this week that they got beat for the third semi-final in a row. Um, I think Hibs fans think they can do better than that and they're more than entitled to say that. I think they're a, a big club with good ambitions who have been managed quite well over the past few years and are probably not doing as well as they maybe could in cup competitions and things. So when Glenn Middleton goes to a club like Hibs, they want him to be hitting the ground running. I don't think he's at that stage yet to hit the ground running on the side that's got ambitions like Hibs. I think somewhere like St. Johnson who will probably allow him to kind of flourish a little bit, allow them to make a couple of mistakes. It's maybe going to help them the fact that no fans are there. I know that yeah. sounds a bit weird because it's it's the worst thing, but um, if there are any expectations of bringing in a player from Rangers who's been highly rated, still 21, starting to blossom into the player that he could potentially be, um, he's not going to hear people shouting at him from the TV uh, if he does make any mistakes. So it's probably extra beneficial for him with that as well. But I definitely think there's a player in Glenn Middleton. Do I think it's at Rangers? I, I don't know. Um, because I think as much as he's growing, so are Rangers, uh, which is probably not beneficial for him. But I definitely think there's a player in there that can do well in the higher echelon to the, the Scottish League and maybe somewhere in the Championship in, in England as well. But I think for him personally, taking Rangers out of a completely, I think St. Johnson is a really good move for him. Um, yeah. It'll give him a chance to get games. He's not going to be at a club that's got as much pressure as say, the likes of Hibs or maybe even Hearts, somewhere like that. St. Johnson allow him just to mature as a player and play his game and play the game um, as he wants to play it. And hopefully he'll come back a, a better player and you'll be able to sell him on for a good amount of money. He'll be able to enjoy his career and go further on. Or he can become part of the squad and you know push the likes of potentially Scott Wright and if Jordan Jones is here to be that kind of player that's edging to get in the team in the wing spots or maybe even further back if they want them to do that as well. 
Well, I want to speak about two other guys. One who is um, still at Ibrox, and, and as of today, Monday, um, we record on the Monday, as, as everyone knows. Uh, Nathan Patterson has, has signed an extension to his contract until 2024. Huge buy-in from the club on this boy, and he came on. He, he came onto the park on Saturday for Tav and got. 20, 25 minutes and, and looked really comfortable. Again, he looks like he could be, be the next gem to come out of the training centre. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I think, um, just think back to about a year ago, was it against Stuttgart, he made his debut um, yeah. and you could see then he was a bit slightly nervous, whether that was something to do with the crowd or not, who knows, but on uh, Saturday, you know, just past, um, he came on in full of confidence Coming up and down the wing like uh, Tavenier does, there's a, a lot of likenesses between the two of the players. So, I mean, I think he's, he's a ready-made replacement, and a lot of people are kind of questioning whether to, to maybe put him out on loan. Yeah. But I think uh, on being in amongst that environment with the first team and they're all pushing for this title, I think that's going to you know set him up to have a real good career at Rangers if if that's where he's wanting to remain. It's all like him at the end of the day. As well, um, he is he's one of these sort of boys that is, is living the dream. I seen footage of him um on the internet today of him leaving the stadium after the game on, on well I assume it was after the game, maybe going in actually. Um and and he's um he's quite excitable as he as he was uh, walking away from the camera. He looked quite pleased with himself as he should do. Graham, I want to come and speak to you about someone else who has recently signed a contract and was moved out on loan to, to Wraith Rovers. Uh, and we're talking about Kai Kennedy here, of course, who we've spoke about on the pod before for a variety of different reasons. Got man in the match on his Wraith debut at the weekend against Hearts in a, a quite an emphatic uh, Wraith victory at Tyne Castle at the weekend. Kennedy at the centre um, for, for two of Wraith's goals, where he, he really sort of uh, makes a, a midden of uh, Michael Smith at Hearts right back and then Craig Halkett shortly after. Looks very, very technically very, very sound and, and could be someone we could see a bit more of next season at Ibrox, I think. Yeah, I think he's had a little taste of first-team football, been on the bench a few times. Um, probably one of those players that is not going to be in and around the first-team enough at this stage in his career to yeah. to warrant keeping him at Ibrox. So, again, a club like Wraith Rovers, probably perfect for him. Um, again, I don't, I don't want to insult anyone, but Wraith... Probably not huge expectations. They they used to bring them players on loan and, and developing a lot of clubs in the championship are, and he's probably seen that game against Hearts as the chance for him to kind of like, yeah, this is who I am sort of thing. Yeah. And so, sometimes players will in that kind of level of pressure, even even in that level, because Hearts again, big club, Hearts are a huge club, um, and to go there and dominate the game, get man of the match for a side that's not fancy to win there. I mean, in the Scottish Championship especially. Hearts are absolutely no mugs and they've got a lot of good experienced players. They've got a manager there that's just won the league with obviously with Dundee United. Yeah. Um for him to come out with that game as the best player on the park when you've got the likes of I mean, I didn't see through the full Hearts squad, but you talk there about Smith, Northern Ireland International, obviously been in and around some great players, learned from some great players. He's pretty much one of being one of Hearts' better players. You've got the likes of Kingsley. Obviously, he was there as well. He's doing great as well for Hearts. There's been a lot of players that have, I wouldn't say, turned Hearts' fortunes around because I think they expect to win the league. Yeah, but it's a lot of a lot of discontent because of you know the fact they got relegated. It's the second time in a decade or so. Um, they're starting to turn things around. They're not losing many games. They're not maybe winning the league at a canter, but they're expected to win their home games quite comfortably against the likes of Race Rovers. And from what I've seen, which wasn't the full game, I must be honest, um, but from what I've seen of the highlights, to be completely honest with you, it looks like he won the game for them in parts and it's not surprising to see come off with, with man of the match. So it only speaks volumes. And I think I think the good thing with um, the likes of Patterson, the likes of Kennedy coming through, you spoke before about seeing the next gem to come through. For me, Rangers in the past, say, five, six years, haven't brought through enough Gems, I think yeah. more need to come through. I think a lot of the time from an academy level, they may be looking to bring in a player like a Billy Gilmore who they can maybe make profit on. Um, I think Rangers fans want to see Nathan Patterson in the team. I think fans want to see like Kai Kennedy in the team. They want to see who, who doesn't want to see a Rangers fan in a Rangers team and a winning Rangers team. Agreed. Everybody wants that. 
So it's great to see the likes of Patterson and, and Kennedy doing well, and especially with Patterson getting a contract and the likes of Patterson coming in. And as Willie touched on before, you would trust him if Tavernier got an injury to, to play there right back, wouldn't you? you you trust that. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. You wouldn't say, oh, we need another sign or anything like that. And that speaks absolute volumes for him. It was great to see Rangers putting players on the academy in the first team rather than someone else's, like Billy Gilmore. Um, that's what should be happening. That's what people have wanted for a long time. And I think the fact that you've got two players that could potentially add to the first team this season and, and Kennedy maybe next season and maybe more on top of that, that's perfect. That's what you wanted a football club and that's what I think Rangers have done for decades. have brought players through the academy that can add to a first-team squad alongside, you know, in the 90s, world-class players. And that's where I think Gerard will want to be going um, as much as you all want to have, you know, the Brazil of the 70s across the front of the back. It's <laughs> nice to have a, a few local lads in there as well because it's a sense of pride as a fan. You know, at the end of the day, you want to see somebody who is a fan just like you playing on the pitch. And, and that video you touched on before is fantastic. Um, everyone wants to see, like, a fan playing for the club that he loves and celebrating yeah. like that after a game. I think you're absolutely right. The, there's a, from the, the Nathan Patterson footage that I, I, I've seen, there's, a, there's an instant association with it. As, as a Rangers fan, when you watch it and you see how chuffed he is with himself and you know that you're feeling exactly as chuffed as, as what he is, you, there's, a, there's an association with, with his reaction. You know exactly why he's so pleased and as are we. Listen, it's, it's a good time. Um, to be a Rangers fan just now. Steven Gerrard had his 150th game as as manager at the weekend. 926 days it takes, it's taken him to get there. One day sharper than Dick Advocate, I think it was. Um, Willie, I'll come to you first. The only thing that's missing from his tenure, and he'll know this as well as anyone, um, is that silverware, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And if I was going to sit here and say there hasn't been point times when I've been like, mm, should they be the manager? Should they know? You know, I'd be a liar because they were. We've all kind of doubted it at certain points, but you know, the board have backed them. They've seen something. We've all seen the gradual progress, and and we've gone into this great position we're in the now. Graham, same question to you. The 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 silverware is 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 the biggie for him. It, it, it clearly is. I think when you're you're talking about Stephen Gerrard, the footballer, you you instantly think about um, the night in Istanbul, uh, probably the slip against against Chelsea when the, the Liverpool's league kind of disappeared from him. Um, as a manager, uh, I think he'd be the very first. He'd be the first person to say he's, he, there's an awareness that he hasn't done anything as a manager yet. Uh, you would hope he's he's nine games shy of that right now. Yeah, I, I think again. I, Tempting fate on I, but I'd be very surprised if if Rangers didn't win the league at this point. It would be a catastrophic set of results yeah. for that not to happen. Yeah. And then you've got to hope that Celtic can start winning games again, which is touch and go at the best of times. Um, when it comes to to Gerard, I think the thing I quite like about him, and it's kind of the same throughout. You have you know winners and you have losers in football. We'll not touch on the losers, but the likes of winners are Steven Gerrard. Um, people may disagree because of the slip and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. But Gerrard, you know, Gerrard is a winner. He, he always has been. or he's, His mindset is to be a winner. That's just the way he is. And I think the best thing about him is he'll want the title. And we all desperately want that bit of silverware. We all desperately want to see someone win it. We want to see the changing of hands and what's been a very, very dominant nine years of, of Celtic, unfortunately, uh, for Rangers fans. And I think when it comes to, to Gerrard winning that, the, the best thing about him is... Because of his mindset, I think he'll be going, yeah, nine games away, we'll get that in the bag, game at a time. But I think he's also thinking about becoming that dominant team. Yeah. I think he'll be thinking about having the, maybe not the nine or ten in a row and getting obsessed with that kind of stuff, but like, right, how can I build this team to be, to make sure that when Celtic do mount to come back, because they will, of course they yeah, will. Of course they're, so. yeah. they're going to be hurting from this season. Of course they're going to be, they're hurting already. So they're going to be coming back with whoever's in charge wanting to make sure that Rangers only have one title in 11 years. And I think because of his mindset, he'll be thinking game to game, but he'll also be thinking about the future and going forward. And, and that's the that's kind of the beauty of it. You want a manager who's not going to just win a title and then you go, oh, thank God for that. There we go, it's done, right? Oh, what do I do next? I think he's building for the future as well. And just touching before on Patterson, the signings he's looking to bring in, the, the squad he's building is building what could hopefully, hopefully be a dynasty. Um, he's just... 
I just think the kind of money is the kind of manager he is the way he speaks in interviews the way he speaks in you know I watched the soccer box with Gary Neville the other day and you can yeah. see that him that slip he said it still affects me to this day yeah so he'll not want to let this title slip because that will affect him but you also not want to sit there and think well I won one title that was great it'll, it'll great on him if Rangers don't win the next three or four I think he can forgive himself if they lose maybe one in the next five yeah, I think that's just you've got to be realistic sometimes. But I think he'll be sitting there going, I don't want to be sitting here in four years' time with one trophy. I want to be sitting here with four, five, six. He's probably still hurting about that St. Mirren game, which is yeah, it's the kind of manager you want. If you've got a, a winner coming into your squad and um, as, as a boss or as a player, it, it just it builds, it takes everyone's standards up. And I think he's probably more frustrated than anyone that it's took the three, four years to get to this point. I think he probably wanted it sooner, but he wanted to make sure that now he's got here, he solidifies that continues on. So no one looks back and goes, oh, but if only he'll, he'll want to have four or five pieces of trophy, uh, silverware in, in the trophy cabinet before long. Willie, I think Steven Gerrard would be, would be the first to also um, sort of big up the, the staff that are working alongside him on a daily basis. The McAllisters, Beals, uh, Tom Colshaw, Jordan Mulsom, they they're they're in there as well. They're in with the bricks now. They they get uh, one term that's used a lot when when people come to to either play for Rangers or when managers come, they get it, they understand it, they 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 appreciate the the size of the club. Um I think that they they absolutely do get it and they they do expect um, huge fireworks when when we eventually do sort of win the league this year. Yeah, I, I just don't think they they quite understand the the severity of these fireworks. Maybe you know it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be huge. It's going to be absolutely huge. It's going to be carnage to be honest. But uh, yeah, as you're saying, I, I just believe the, the the full management team. You know, they, they fully bought into everything. They understand the the fans' expectations. They knew the past couple of years haven't they been good enough, you know, yeah. for a club of stature and size and you know, obviously them getting the back and having the time wee bit of patience, maybe not all the time, but you know we've, we're nearly there, you know, we've got that one hand just reaching out to, to grab yeah. it then now, Absolutely. Yeah, I'll, I'll go on record saying that, but uh, it's, it's a good feeling it's it's good slowly strangling the opposition for a change, eh? Rangers TV done a a, um, a video at the weekend, and it was uh, a lot of the MyGels youngsters uh, congratulating uh, Stephen Gerrard on getting to, to 150 games. Uh, and and right at the end of it, um, I thought there was a, a really nice touch by Rangers TV where they got Walter Smith to come on and, and do do a wee bit for, for Stephen Gerrard, uh, Graham. I think it's a, it's a huge testament to, to Stephen Gerrard and the fact that they're getting our most recent successful manager to come on and, and congratulate Stephen on the way he's putting himself across, um, the the general expectancy that, that Gerard now is aware of being the Rangers manager. Yeah, I seen the video, I thought it was great. Sat and watched it and um I don't know if you had anything to do with it, but obviously I, I know a few of the guys from the, the, the Rangers media team and I think They've been great this season. We're putting together stuff Absolutely. like that, and yeah. sounds a bit biased because I've seen that some of them are my friends. But I think I think they have done a really good job, and um, you know, even with the, the Rangers women's stuff, who are also top of the league, by the way, in case anyone yeah. didn't know that. Absolutely, um, of course, keeping in with with tradition. Um, <laughs> they've been just great with stuff like that, and I think uh, you know, I work in a little bit of media as well, and sometimes it's difficult to come up with stuff. It's really difficult to come up with stuff. Um, and it was a great idea, but the way obviously like it ended, like you say, with, with Walter Smith was just just perfect. And it probably speaks volumes as to how well he's done this season. I think it's it's probably been a bit understated, maybe because of who he is and yeah. how big the job is. I think you know, a lot of my friends down in England go, oh, well, did you not just expect that? And it's like, you have no idea like how far <laughs> apart both sides were. Like You, you, you really have no idea how, how far apart they both were up until really, really recently. And, and you know... Yeah. The mentality side of it as well was also different. Um, but again, just to touch on what I said before, I, I think Gerard will, will look at that, have a wry smile and then go, yeah, but I need to make sure that I'm, I'm matching what he want to get somewhere close to before I get classed as anywhere near a very good Rangers manager, which again is a, a great position to be in, isn't it? Indeed. 
Well, just on the 150 games, I saw a start at the weekend, and I, I think everyone appreciates that Steven Gerrard almost has his lieutenants, if you like, in the pitches, go-to guys, the guys that he relies on. Um, and I've picked out five uh, from the, the 150. Don't worry, this isn't a question. <laughs> the, I, know, the, I know three. <laughs> so of, of the, the top five um, appearances in, in this order, Conor Goldson's played in 141 of Steven Gerrard's 150 games. Tavis played in 138. Scott Arfield, which surprised me, has played in 126, followed by Al McGregor, 125. And Morelos has played in 123 of these 150 games. He clearly has a, an idea, if you like, William, of a, of a spine yeah. of his team. Yeah, absolutely. It's all the, the key positions. As you said, it's a, it's a proper spine all the way up the kind of side of the park. Um, it's incredible to, you know, to kind of, be like for Conor Golson, 141 games. Yeah. Um, you know, have that level of consistency, no really dropping form, to be honest, through it. He's been, you know, really steady and, and you know, obviously you need to be sort of fortunate with, with injuries and stuff to avoid them and, and he obviously has for the most part. But, um, you know, it's incredible to kind of hit the figures similar to Gerard since he came in. And uh, obviously keeping that core group of players and keeping them over these three years is they've grown as players and and the players coming in to help them of of course in the position we're in the now and it is it's incredible to kind of keep that consistency. Graham, as an Englishman I want to ask you a question that we've covered on on the pod before. And Tavernier I can almost appreciate why he's not being called up for England on account of guys like Kyle Walker, Reese James, uh, Alexander Arnold at Liverpool, who hasn't had a great season, I have to say. Yeah, I, um, I wonder why Conor Goldson hasn't had a call-up to the England setup when you look at the centre-halves that Southgate's picking just now. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I, I actually think Tav should have more of a look in as well because I think yeah. Tav's been consistent since, what, the Championship season? <laughs> um, <laughs> which has been a, a long time. But I think, whereas you touched on it before, England's right-backs are... Trent Alexander on form is in the top three in the world, maybe, on form. 100%. Yeah. I think his, his technique is just a joke. Um, Callum Walker's been consistently good for numerous good teams in England for a while. He's, he's capable of a brain fart, is Kyle Walker, which um, I think some fullbacks can be. But I can understand almost, especially with Reese James emerging, the fact that Tav is probably, what, 27, 28. I, I can understand that in a way, but I'd, I'd like to see him given a chance because I think he puts in a better delivery than probably all of them apart from Alexander-Arnold, maybe. Yeah. Um, but Goldson, my honest opinion, is probably an ignorance towards the, the Scottish leagues. Oh, can he do it in the Premier League? Has he done it in the Premier Oh, he's at Brighton and Brighton sold him. But I think, you know, sometimes you look at um, back in the 90s when I was young, and the likes of Gaza and stuff like that, no one questioned it. And I, I don't understand when that started changing. There's so many players that have come from the Scottish leagues to the Premier League, most of them recently Celtic, truth be told, and have not just been able to hold their own. They've been really good players. And I think Goldson could quite easily fit into you know a solid mid-table maximum, maybe even slightly higher team pushing for the top seven um, English team based on his form since he's been at Rangers. And you look at our, you look at our fullback, uh, sorry, centre backs like so, you know, Michael Keane and stuff like that. They're not, they're not in the same level of quality as maybe the right backs that are keeping Tav out in the team. So, yeah. I, I don't see why he wouldn't be given the chance. Um, I think you know the likes of John Stones has managed to be out of form for ages up until recently, yeah. And he's always been there or thereabouts. But I think unfortunately, um, as much as I do like Southgate, I think there is still a bit of an ignorance towards the the Scottish league and not not just Rangers. You know, any decent uh, English players that came through at Celtic, they would probably be looked at in a, in a similar way. The likes of Alan Thompson, Steve Guppy maybe were back in the day, but uh, centre-half is a position I think we're a little bit weak, so I think he should be, at least be looked at. And if he doesn't do the job, fair enough, he's been given that chance, but it's a bit of a shame he hasn't even been included in the squad or even got close to it by the sound of it. Yeah. Graham, I'm going to stick with you. Um, we travelled to Easter Road on Wednesday night which I think there's probably a fair argument to say, while it's the last game in January, I think it was arguably the hardest game in January. Mm-hmm. Even when you look at the games at the start of the month, that was perhaps the tie you looked at and thought, 
that might be a bit testing. That that might be a bit of a challenge. Um, what's your thoughts on it? Do we we obviously go there and and find Fettel, and we will be playing a team that did not have a great weekend at all? No, um, not at all. Um, the one thing I would say about Jack Ross, obviously him being manager at Sunderland for a while, I, I was um, lucky up, unlucky unlucky enough to witness that kind of period of, of Sunderland's history, and he did a lot of the time the team and him as manager a lot of the time would for want of a better word bottle the big games we lost at Wembley twice we I think we had two games in hand and were level on point with second going in the last five or six games of the season bottled that ended up in the playoffs yeah. so there is a tendency for Jack Ross teams to to do what happened on on Saturday but what Jack Ross is quite good at doing is in the next game having a reaction I think he's quite a fiery character and I quite like him as a man if I'm honest with you as much as he's I sound like I've just really like absolutely just destroyed him. Um, <laughs> I hope he does go on to do well because I think he's respectful, very snappy dresser. I'll give him that as well. But um, <laughs> his performances after a big defeat tend to always be quite good ones. And I'm not talking going and winning three four nil, but he does have a reaction. He does manage to get his players to have a reaction to that. Um, that said, they're in bad form. Um, not horrendous, but I think. You know, I do a little bit with um, the Edinburgh Evening News as well, and I do a lot with Hibs. Um, so I interact with a lot of Hibs fans, and they've been worried for a little while. It's not just been the past month or so. It's been, you know, quite a few games now. They've been going, I'm not sure about this home form. Something not right about it. Deutsch not having the best of seasons. Um, Nisbet, I think, has been one of the better players this season. Um, and that's yeah. probably where you have to be careful with them. I mean, they played well against us start of the season at Easter Road, so we know it's not going to be an easy game. Um, it wasn't an easy game at Ibrox around Christmas time. It really wasn't. So I think as long as Rangers treat the game, which I think they will, as long as they treat the game with respect, which, I'm, again, I'm sure they will, and don't look into the bad form too much, they should come out with a win. But truth be told, and this is maybe a bit of a defeatist attitude, if it's a draw, it's not the end of the world. Um, it's not the worst result in the world to pick up a draw at, at Easter Road when you're in such a commanding position. But I think I think Rangers will put them away. I think as much as I think Jack Ross does tend to get his sides to have a good reaction to bad, bad results, I just think Rangers have got too much. And I think that's where Hibs are probably feeling a bit the season and why they're currently in third, kind of fourth, if Aberdeen win their games in hands. It's a simple fact that they just don't quite have enough quality yet and they're probably still a bit of a, a project at the moment, I think, with Jack Ross. Um, if they remain patient, they might be a force to be reckoned with in a couple of years' time when they've built that team. Yeah. But I think at the moment, I, I think even Rangers with a couple of changes should be enough. Um, but worst-case scenario, you come away with a draw, which is going to happen in this run. You're not going to win every game. I mean, yeah. You might, but um, <laughs> there might be one or two results along the way where you go, mm, hips away if that was one of them. Yeah, I would only say you'd take it, but you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't be crying the next morning. Willie, it was the game at the, the start of January when I looked at the, the fixtures that I thought that that could be the challenging one, as, as I said there before Graham um, spoke. Um, what's your thoughts going on the game on Wednesday night? Uh, are, you, are you confident? If you are, don't let it show. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not confident. <laughs> um, no, nah, well, I always, uh, I always get quite nervous for these games when you're playing the Hibs, the Hearts, yeah. uh, Dundee United, even as well. I always get really nervous at these games. But I mean, when I think back in the games and how tight they usually are, there's fans there and there's bottles being thrown for the the, the top of stands <laughs> and well, God knows what else they're throwing towards players. But uh, uh, I, it's, it's usually a difficult game and I think the past couple of games was that a draw and a, and a win we've managed to get so I expect another really close game a hard fought game and I mean we won at Ibrox just there but I think the media thought <laughs> Hibs won because uh, Jack Ross seems to have sussed us out or something I think they were saying so um, you know I think we're, we're in for a, a right good game I think right hard fought game but I think if we win this I think uh, you'll start seeing a, a few more parties socially yes. Socially, That's just with their own bubble, I hope. <laughs> You've been to a few of them, have you? No, Don't answer I, that. I haven't left my house. <laughs> other, other for work and essential travel. 
Absolutely. So, Graham, listen, I, I really appreciate you, you coming to, to join us on the pod again. We will make a point of getting you on for um, your hat-trick before, yes, before the please. end of the season. Um, Willie, thanks again for joining us. You are, is that your, something like your fifth in a row or something like that, is it not? Uh, yeah, I, don't, I don't think I've been posted missing You're going for some in 2021, so it's, it's a good year so far, uh, especially considering my absences uh, last season. I think I'm in my final warning. Thanks again for joining us. Really good to have you on. So we should say that this week's pod will be available in all the usual places. Wherever you get your pod, we're available on YouTube where you can subscribe to us. Please do. Um, by all means, leave a, leave a comment, preferably one that's, that's pleasant. I should give a special shout out to our partners for the sponsorship, Triple H Mortgages. You can reach them on 01453 via the email hello at Mortgages. Good luck to Rangers on Wednesday. Um, trip to Easter Road is never easy, but we we do hope that they, they gain another three points. And we return next week. It'll be Willie and I, perhaps someone else, will maybe try and squeeze Tommy in. Make sure you join us if you can. Have a good week. Bye-bye. It's raging, I'm shaking. You want to go out, I want to stay in a while.